There's been a lot of chatter lately about how much people are thinking about the Roman Empire. So I thought it would be fun for today's episode to step back in time and explore the remarkable influence that the Roman Empire had on the wines that we are enjoying in our glasses. I'm also going to be covering Bacchus, the Roman god of wine, who added an extra touch of magic to ancient celebrations. So if you're ready to uncork the secrets that have stood the test of time, from vineyard innovations to some legendary parties, let's dive right into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wine Shop Talk. I'm your host, Malia Aaron-Nozar, and I'm so happy that you're here with me today. If we haven't met before, it's lovely to have you here, and if we have, welcome back. Now, for those of you who are new, you should know that I've been a professional sommelier for over 20 years now, and it's my passion and my privilege to make learning about wine not only fun and easy, but also practical, meaning I want to make sure that you leave every episode with some real-life tips that are going to help you find wines that you are going to love and enjoy. I want you to think of me as your very own practical sommelier. This week's episode is going to be a lot of fun, and if you have been on social media in the last couple of weeks, you would have seen the trend about everyone discussing the Roman Empire. And while there's all kinds of very cool facts about the Roman Empire, I want to share with you some cool facts about how the Roman Empire's influence on wine is still impacting the wines that we are enjoying in the glass. And so to do that, I picked out 10 of my favorite facts, if you will, and I'm going to be sharing those in this episode. I'm also going to be sharing with you more information on the Roman god of wine, also known as Bacchus. Maybe you have heard of him, but you didn't know that much about him. He sets the tone, if you will. So let's start talking about Bacchus. So before we had Bacchus, we had the Greek god of wine, Dionysus. And Dionysus was rather civilized compared to Bacchus. He definitely brought a new energy, a new personality into being the god of wine. Think of Bacchus as being the boss of parties and good times. If there was a superhero for parties, Bacchus would be the guy. And he is a fascinating figure in Roman mythology and culture. He is recognized as the god of wine, revelry, and ecstasy. He is associated with the cultivation of grapes, the making of wine, and of course, the enjoyment of the beverage. And people believe that he brought joy and happiness through wine. It was his gift to the people. According to Roman mythology, Bacchus was the son of Jupiter, the Roman equivalent of Zeus, and Semele, a mortal princess. Bacchus is often associated with festivals and celebrations known as Bacchanalia. And these weren't any parties. These were wild and exuberant gatherings that lasted for days where people would indulge in wine and music, dancing, and let's just call it other forms of adult revelry. Bacchus is typically depicted holding a thyrus, which is a staff topped with a pine cone, as one of his symbols. He's also, of course, associated with grapevines and often wearing a crown made of grapevines and leaves on his head. Bacchus had a significant influence on the Roman culture, particularly in the realm of wine and entertainment. His worship and festivals were an integral part of Roman society, and he was considered to be a patron of the arts, inspiring poets and artists. Bacchus is a reoccurring subject in Roman art and literature. He was portrayed in sculptures, paintings, and writings wall murals, and often depicted as youthful and a joyful figure enjoying people, wine, and foods. Of course, there is balance in all things, and while Bacchus is associated with joy and parties and revelry, there is a dark side, like I mentioned, to this experience. 
His worshipers were involved in excessive drinking and partying that could lead to out-of-control and even dangerous actions. It is also said that some of his followers engaged in frenzied and violent rituals under the influence of wine, sometimes depicted as driving people into a state of madness and ecstasy. While this could be a source of spiritual or artistic inspiration for some, in some ancient stories, Bacchus was said to have the power to bring about destruction and chaos, his ability to cause madness and inspire his followers to engage in destructive behavior was part of his mythology. Those that worshipped Bacchus were sometimes in conflict with traditional Roman authorities, particularly in the early days of what is known as his cult. His followers challenged social norms and hierarchies, which could lead to clashes with the ruling powers. So it's important to note that through Bacchus's mythology, and those that worshipped him had both positive and negative aspects, like all things, and the interpretations of his character varied among different cultures and over time. While Bacchus was celebrated for his pleasures of wine and entertainment, his story does serve as a cautionary tale of the potential dangers of excess and the consequences of, shall we call them, unchecked desires. So now you have a bit more of an understanding about the Roman god of wine, a.k.a. Bacchus. And I'm not sure about you, but I can definitely relate that sometimes you can enjoy something just a little too much. Now let's dive into the 10 cool facts about the impacts of the Roman Empire on the wines we love today. And before I get started, I want to reiterate, there are more than 10 impacts and such cool facts, but I had to pick. So these are the 10 that I am going to share with you today. The first one is that the Romans were prolific wine consumers and played a crucial role in expanding vineyards across their vast empire. They recognized the economic and cultural importance of wine production, leading to the establishment of vineyards in regions such as Gaul, which we call France today, Spain, and up into the northern parts of Germany. We have the Roman Empire to thank for the vineyards of Europe today. Point number two is the Romans made significant advances in winemaking techniques. They built on what the Sumerians, the Greeks, every culture built on top of what was left before them. But the Romans also, because of their methodical way of when they expanded their empire, they took everything Roman, all of their ways, I'll say in air quotes, with them. And winemaking was no different. They had written instructions on how to plant vineyards, how they made wine. Everything came with them. And so they brought in the use of wood barrels for fermentation and storage. They improved the quality and the aging potentials of wine, along with vineyard management. Point number three is the Romans were the first to introduce the concept of a controlled geographic designation for wine. They basically brought in an appellation system, which means they designated specific regions known for producing higher quality of wines. This idea laid the groundwork for modern wine appellations and classifications. The Romans also had different values for wines from different areas. The Romans appreciated the styles and the flavors and the uniqueness, the beginning of terroir, if you will, that was starting to show through in the differences from the wines coming from the different places from around their empire. Point number four is the amplifor. This used the clay, large terracotta containers that we refer to as amplifor to transport and store wine. These containers help to stabilize wine in packaging and distribution, and their design influenced later wine bottle shapes. 
thing with Ampelfor as well is they were done in a V shape, if you've seen a picture of these, that could all layer into ships. So the Ampelfor was done so that it could stand in the corner, if you will, but you could layer them on top of each other. And so they were done and made to travel. However, the wooden wine barrel came about because, let's face it, an Ampelfor can break if it is not stored properly or it's on a bumpy cart. So the evolution of the wine barrel came about with the design of the Ampelfor. And they realized that both had a different impact on the wines inside the vessel. Point number five is the cultivation of grape varieties. The Romans cultivated various grape varieties and characterized them based on their suitability for winemaking. Again, this is where the different values come in, the beginning of the Appalachian system and the understanding of terroir or how the place and the grape worked in connection to create a higher quality product. Some of these ancient grape varieties still exist today and are used in winemaking. An example of this will be the Galera grape, also known as Prosecco. Galera was the old Roman name. Also, Trebbiano, very popular, and Sangiovese were also grapes used during Roman times. Point number six, wine as a social symbol. Wine became a symbol of Roman culture and social status. Elaborate banquets and feasts often featured wine as a central component. We just talked about the Roman god Bacchus and specific festivals dedicated to celebrating Bacchus. It's important to know that higher quality wines were given to the upper crust, if you will, of society, and wines would be watered down for the more common people of society. So the higher up you got, the better quality of wine that you received in the Roman Empire, though wine was an integral part of daily Roman life for everyone of all classes. Point number seven is medical and culinary uses. The Romans believed in the medicinal properties of wine, using it as a treatment for various ailments. They also incorporated wine into their cuisine, creating dishes like Muslim, a sweet wine and honey concoction. This was also a great way to put in fruits and honey and spices. Think of it as the beginning of mulled wine to cover up wine that wasn't aging well, that was going bad, if you will, starting to oxidize. So by flavoring it, they could hide some of those flavors. They could also hide poisons, but we're not going to get into how the Romans use poisons in their society. That's a whole other topic. And for medicinal properties, the doctors of the time could use wine as a base to layer in herbs and spices that had medicinal qualities that would be able to help somebody who had an ailment. Point number eight is their understanding of preservation techniques. We talked a little bit about oak barrels and amplifor, they started to understand that different vessels could be used to store wine. They also started to appreciate wines that had been aged. So white wine were drunk young and fresher, but red wines they started to see could change and develop in regards to its flavors by aging. The Romans were definitely part of improving the closures on barrels and amplifiers, whether it was resin and cloth or cork or a stopper. They started to appreciate that oxygen was impacting the wine in a negative way, but a little bit was okay for a small amount of time. And they started to record the impacts and the vintage-specific flavors. Point number nine is about the ground, the viticulture so at the beginning, I talked a little bit about when the Romans took grapes everywhere they expanded the Roman Empire. They took their processes, their vineyard program with them, and they started to really understand the geographical origin of 
the specific wine as well as the soil it was grown in and the climate and how it impacted the flavors that were coming from that vineyard. So again, it's the beginning of what we know as terroir today. This still remains a central part of winemaking. We know some grapes do better on some sites. The Romans were just the beginning of starting to document that. And point number 10, I had to include something about the impacts of the fall of the Roman Empire. The decline of the Roman Empire saw a significant reduction in wine production and distribution. Obviously, we move into the Dark Ages here, and the invasion of warring tribes obviously disrupted vineyard cultivation and winemaking, which led to the decline of wine quality and the availability in many regions. We know that during the Dark Ages, wines started to be looked after by the monks who took over the vineyards, and there was a very little written record because people were not taught to read and write during this time. So we have very few records during the Dark Ages, aside from the monks. The fall of the Roman Empire had huge impacts on the advancements that the Roman Empire was having on both viticulture and winemaking, and basically it all ground to a halt. And of course, many men were forced to fight during the fall of the Roman Empire as warring fractions came in to take over, and many men who had the experience or the knowledge of how to grow the grapes and make the wine unfortunately perished during those battles. But despite the eventual fall of the Roman Empire, its contributions to the wine industry left a lasting legacy that we still benefit from today. The techniques, traditions, and appreciation for wine established by the Romans continue to shape the world of wine today. You can thank them for our appreciation of the grape varieties that we love, creation of blended grapes, development of oak barrels, and the impacts on winemaking, and of course, the enjoyment of food and wine pairings and fantastic celebrations, and how wine is seen as a luxury gift from the gods. I think we can all agree that we still view wine as part of daily life, but there are some wine styles that are always synonymous with fancy occasions, and big celebrations. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode where we've walked back in time. I think it's safe to say that the Roman Empire definitely left a timeless legacy in regards to viticulture and winemaking that we all still benefit from and definitely something to raise a glass to the next time you pour yourself a glass of wine. Now, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, please feel free to reach out. You can reach me at hello at winegirlacademy.com or feel free to come say hello on TikTok or Instagram where you can find me at winegirlacademy. And don't forget, if you haven't had a chance to download your free September food wine pairing guide, the link will be in the show notes below. This is your last week to grab the September guide. The, the October guide will be released the first week of October. So make sure you grab the September one this week. And be sure to check out the links below about two books that are coming soon as well. On that note, I want to wish you a wonderful week. I hope you have enjoyed going back in history a little bit with me and discussing the Roman Empire, which who knew was such a popular topic. Wine and history are two of my favorite things to talk about, so I love when they come together. I want to wish you a wonderful week. Cheers to you. Bye now.